Welcome to Scream Scene, the horror movie podcast where normally we watch every horror movie ever made in chronological order and then we rank them from best to worst. But once a month, we look at a horror adjacent movie uh, like what we are doing today. My name is Sarah. And I'm Ben. Thank you so much for joining us. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, It's been kind of a lazy day here at Castle Scream Scene for me. And we have been suffering under the heat here in Calgary. But today, Sarah bought an air conditioner. So relief is here. Yes. Sarah, you just had an air conditioner-induced nap. How was that? Good. If I seem spacey, it's because I just woke up from a nap. (laughs) Um, Because I didn't have to do any research today. (laughs) This movie for today is... What our patrons over at patreon.com slash scream scene have voted on, it is Zombies on Broadway. Yes. Uh, from 1945, directed by Gordon Douglas. And that name is familiar to me. Have we seen something from Douglas before? Yes, we have. Um, it's in his future. Oh, yes, because we're going back to 1945. Indeed. Uh, we know Douglas as the director of Them from 1954. Ah, uh... Which we've covered on a past... Horror-adjacent or, bonus episode. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, cool. Sweet. All right. Yeah. Well, tell me tell me more about this guy in this movie. Sure. So this is our horror-adjacent bonus episode for May, uh, which means that it is your birth month episode. Yes, which is why it's very nice that I didn't have any research. And Zombies on Broadway is a horror comedy uh, from 1945 from RKO. And, um, so it's kind of an Abbott and Costello riff, which is funny because... We just did a second Abbott and Costello movie last month. Right. But also Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein wouldn't happen until 1948. Oh, yeah. So by 1945, Abbott and Costello were huge hit makers for Universal. By that point, they had already produced... 13 comedies for the studio in four years. So obviously the other studios were going to, you know, try to create knockoffs. That's just how Hollywood works. RKO's particular no-name brand was Wally Brown and Alan Carney. Okay. (laughs) I don't know who they are. I've never heard of them. Yeah. So Carney was born David Boogle in Brooklyn in 1909, and he was a vaudeville performer for years before RKO signed him to the studio in 1941, and he was teamed up with Wally Brown in 1943. Brown was born in 1904 in Massachusetts and performed on vaudeville for 15 years before RKO signed him in 1942, and the Brownie and Carney team debuted with Adventures of a Rookie in 1943, which was very much a conscious imitation of Abbott and Costello's first feature, Buck Privates, from 1941. So, mm. you know, army humor. Okay. Yeah. Zombies on Broadway was the team's sixth film for RKO. Uh, it was directed by Gordon Douglas, as I 
mentioned. And it's worth noting that Gordon Douglas had gotten his start directing Our Gang shorts yeah. for Hal Roach. Um, he had moved over to RKO and feature films in 1942. Uh, and if you want to hear more about Douglas, you can listen to our episode on them. Zombies on Broadway is set on the uh, British Virgin Island of San Sebastian, uh, which was the zombie island from the classic RKO film, I Walked with a Zombie, which is ranked on our list at number eight. Yes, this is hilarious. The uh, interconnections going on here. Yes. Um, in fact, two actors from that film reprised their roles in Zombies on Broadway. Uh, Sir Lancelot reappears as the Calypso singer and Darby Jones reappears as the memorable zombie. So (laughs) this is a sequel to a very uh, spooky, good horror movie. Yes. That is also a Jane Eyre adaptation-ish. Yes, but this is a Abbott and Costello ripoff. Yes. That is a sequel to that Jane Eyre adaptation. Wild. The other big name in the cast of this film, of course, is Bella Lugosi, who <laughs> is not in I Walked with a Zombie, but was in White Zombie and is kind of playing a similar role here because in this film he is playing a mad scientist. Sure. Zombies I mean, on- in White Zombie, he's not a mad scientist. He's the guy controlling the zombies. But he's not a scientist. True. He's like a plantation owner with some voodoo magic. Um, so Zombies on Broadway was one of only two films that Lugosi made in 1945. Uh, this was certainly in a period of um, like major downturn for his career. Um, his last role before this one was as the butler in a mystery comedy at Paramount in 1944 called One Body Too Many. Uh, However, right after this film, uh, Lugosi would shoot The Body Snatcher with Val Luton, which was one of his best pictures in years. The film's female lead, Anne Jeffries, was best known to audiences of the time as Dick Tracy's girl Tess Trueheart in the RKO Dick Tracy movie series, Uh, while Sheldon Leonard, who plays a gangster in this movie, was a familiar face playing... Tough guys and gangsters throughout the 40s and 50s. We actually just saw him as the gangster Morgan in Abbott and Costello Meet the Invisible Man, which was made like 10 years after this. Oh, interesting. Character actor Ian Wolfe appeared with Bela Lugosi in The Raven in 1935. He also appeared in Return of Dr. X, The Invisible Man's Revenge, Bedlam, and hundreds of other memorable supporting roles over a career stretching from 1934 to 1990. Uh, if you're a sci-fi fan, you probably know him from his two different roles on the original Star Trek or his role in THX 1138. Zombies on Broadway is also an early role for Robert Clark, uh, who we will recognize from The Body Snatcher, Bedlam, The Man from Planet X, The Astounding She-Monster, and The Hideous Sun Demon, which he wrote, directed, produced, and starred in. Oh, yes. Oh, Good. Actress Rosemary LaPlanche was Miss California and Miss America before her movie career. Uh, She would be known to us as the title character in The Devil Bat's Daughter from the year after this. I feel like maybe we should have covered Zombies on Broadway earlier when we were in 1945. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up. I'll, I'll have more to say on that sort of topic later in the episode, maybe. But I will note that it has been on, like, the polls before... 
Uh, we've just, you know, it just hasn't won the polls until now. In a minor role uh, in this film, in kind of the um, uh, scared darky part. Oh, no. Uh, I is, guess, yeah, we're in that time. Yeah. yeah. Um, is African-American actor Nick Stewart. Uh, he was kind of a veteran of these sorts of roles, the kind of... Um, black sidekick comedy roles uh, throughout the 1940s. Today, he's probably best remembered as the voice of Br'er Bear in Disney's Song of the South and Splash Mountain. Uh, He was the only voice actor from the original film to reprise his role for the ride when it was built in the 80s. Hey, I mean, nice that uh, Disney kept calling him for that, right? You know, it's funny. An interviewer once asked him if he felt degraded by, like, working for Disney on these roles. And he said that basically Disney treated us like Kings compared to like any other company that he ever worked for. He's also remembered today for the role of lightning on the short lived TV version of Amos and Andy in the 1950s. In both cases, uh, Stuart used the money he was paid for these roles in order to fund his own theater uh the ebony showcase theater which opened in la in 1950 and existed to allow african-american actors to play roles that weren't maids or servants it was like i think it ran until the mid 90s when it finally like was torn down because of like the fact that the theater couldn't afford to do like earthquake upgrades and stuff Mm. um but like stewart won an naacp like award for his work with that theater oh dope um yeah and he passed away in 2000 at the age of 90 wow good long run definitely a piece of cinema history there Mm -hmm. zombies on broadway was shot by cinematographer jack mckenzie who had been working in hollywood since 1916 and some of his other films that we have seen include jungle woman from 1944 isle of the dead from 1945 and return of dracula in 1958 Uh, he also shot 42 episodes of leave it to beaver which is not even close to the whole series i think he did like one one season the composer of the film's score roy webb worked on hundreds of RKO films over the years, including Becky Sharp, Bringing Up Baby, Stranger on the Third Floor, You'll Find Out, Cat People, Journey into Fear, I Walked with a Zombie, The Leopard Man, The Seventh Victim, The Ghost Ship, Curse of the Cat People, The Body Snatcher, Dick Tracy, The Spiral Staircase, Bedlam, Notorious, Mighty Joe Young, This is Cinerama, and many, many more. Very good. So Zombies on Broadway was released on April 26th, 1945, and it was a big hit for RKO, despite floor-level reviews from critics. Yeah, I I do not expect this to be a particularly good movie. Yeah. I'm just very curious to see zombies dancing. Yeah, this was not considered to be a good movie, but then again, Brown and Carney weren't considered to be very good. Like, they were definitely considered sort of like... Uh, humor appropriate for children kind of thing like just not very good at all um but it was a huge box office hit so the box office success led rko to reteam brown and carney with lugosi and jeffries for genius at work in 1946 which would also be the final film of lionel atwill it was the eighth brown and carney picture and it bombed and Mm. spelled the end of the brown and carney team well, this is also when 
like, yes, right now, 1945, Abbott and Costello are high, but by 1948, it was like they weren't doing as well. Yeah, they had had like a big rough patch. And in 48, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein was actually kind of a comeback for them. Uh, Brown and Carney would later appear in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World in 1963, but they don't appear in any scenes together. Oh, like they just were cast in different comedic roles in the movie. Oh, that feels like a missed opportunity. Yeah. Zombies on Broadway is available on DVD in the RKO Brown and Carney comedy collection and the Karloff and Lugosi horror classics set, uh, both from Warner Home Video. All right. Well, folks, um, hopefully you can find a copy to watch along. I'm sure it'll be a fun time. You're going to hear a brief musical interlude, and when we come back, we will discuss Zombies on Broadway from 1945, directed by Gordon Douglas. See you on the other side, everybody. Welcome back to Scream Scene, everybody. We just finished watching Zombies on Broadway from 1945, directed by Gordon Douglas. Sarah, what'd you think? You know, it's fine, mm-hmm. but I feel like the title is misleading. Okay. So, so <laughs> I get that it's like on Broadway Street or whatever, and it's like a nightclub, whatever. But what I wanted was zombies and kick lines going hello my baby hello my honey hello my ragtime gal yeah oh yeah i knew that's what you wanted and that's not what i got yeah and so i'm a little disappointed so i don't know why but i pretty much knew we weren't gonna get that (laughs) like this is basically exactly what i expected sure which i suppose is is one of the problems if you want to call it that with this whole movie (laughs) okay like it's not good it's, it's not, not horrible. Bad. It's not horrible. Well, it's definitely not horrible because it's horror adjacent, Ben. It is mildly offensive. Yes. Yes. There is a case of blackface. Yeah. And um, the uh, actual black people in the movie are, you know, what you would expect from a 1945 Who Cares movie, um, unfortunately. The yeah, script it, is like... They're stereotypes. Yeah. How about I tell the folks at home what it's about for sure it's very predictable very much okay so mike and jerry are publicity agents for a new nightclub called the zombie hut wait a minute okay tom and jerry are the mouse and the cat yeah ben and jerry are the ice cream guys yeah okay cool so jerry gets around but he's always changing partners apparently so this nightclub the zombie hut is run by an ex-gangster named ace miller who I think is the best person in this movie oh, besides yeah. Bella Lugosi. Oh yeah, Sheldon Leonard is great in this movie. He's he's very good. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Now the only problem is that Mike and Jerry have promised a real legitimate zombie for the nightclub's opening. And the pressure is on to actually deliver on this promise. So Ace sends the pair to St. Sebastian Island Because a New York museum curator was like, oh, you're looking for zombies? Well, a colleague of mine, Dr. Renault, 
uh, is in St. Sebastian researching zombies. Uh, now, Dr. Renault is trying to make a scientific zombie not based on voodoo mysticism. But when he does this, they all start decomposing within a few days. So he's like, why isn't science working? Um, P.S. Dr. Renault is played by Bella Lugosi and is the best performer in this movie. Mm, yes. So he is wanting a zombie that can basically return to normal, and he believes that this new serum could be the answer. So he tasks his actual zombie, Kalaga, who he stole from the natives of St. Sebastian. And the set of I Walked with a Zombie. Yes. Um, and his henchman, whose name I think is Gus? Joseph. Joseph. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the guy who isn't acting and is just reading his lines off like a cue card. Yeah. Yeah. Who has the scar? Yeah. Yeah. Joseph. Okay. Yeah. The actor's name? Joseph. Joseph. <laughs> I think he's just some guy. He's just some guy. <laughs> just, we're innocent men. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so meanwhile, um, <laughs> I think I have killed Ben. <laughs> okay, so Joseph Just normal and man. <laughs> Joseph and Kalaga are tasked with finding new subjects for this new serum. Mike and Jerry, meanwhile, land in Saint Sebastian and they meet Jean, who is a singer dancer who agrees to help them if she gets to leave the island with them. So eventually they all make it to Dr. Renault's jungle mansion and Mike gets injected and zombified. Then, uh, you know, Jerry tries to like get Mike out. Um, there's some running around. Hijinks ensue. And Dr. Renault is like, that's it. I have lost my temper. Kalaga, kill. Kalaga kills Dr. Renault. Yeah. So like Jerry, you do. Yes, as, as you do. Uh, with that distraction, Jerry, Jean, and Zombie Mike escape back to the boat. Um, there is a little monkey that tags along. This is like the little monkey that you see in uh, playing the cymbals in Phantom of the Opera. Sure. Style monkey. I yeah, don't know yeah. what kind of monkey that is. But like a little guy. So he's tagged along this whole time, and he happens to steal the serum from Renault. So pin in that. They make it back to the U.S. just in time for the opening of the zombie hut, which I want to point out. It happens to be on Friday the 13th. Oh, I didn't notice that. I did. <laughs> <laughs> you were still paying attention by this point in the movie, I Clearly. see. Because uh, I was hoping for like a King Kong style right. <laughs> debut. But Mike is reverting back to normal. So Ace is going to kill them because they didn't bring back a zombie. And then Gene sees the monkey who has the serum and she uses it to turn Ace into a zombie for the grand opening. Some fun gags happen, fun with the, you know, scare quotes. Uh, and then the last gag is Jerry sits on the needle because I guess in 1945, no one practices good needle safety. No. And um, he turns into a zombie at the end. Um, that's it. That's the end. That's the movie. That's the movie. Now, I, I will say that like, while... There were parts that I found funny. Mm. It tended to be more with the whippy dialogue, uh, which is also the case that I find with Abbott and Costello. Yeah, except that we laughed like twice in this movie. Yeah, there were a couple of the like, 
you know, the kind of like not even a real chuckle, like, sure. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Just like an acknowledgement, like, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's really strange. So, so it's exactly just the Abbott and Costello shtick. Yes. And it's, it's really strange to be watching a movie and be just like, yeah, they're just doing Abbott and Costello. But they're nicer to each other, Ben. Yes. I did like that. I know. You don't really like the way that, um, uh, Abbott is mean to Costello. Yes. But the problem is Abbott and Costello are funnier. Yes. Uh, they're more talented. These guys really are just knockoffs. And I actually kind of feel bad for them because it's, it's not just that they're knockoffs. Like, they just are doing an Abbott and Costello movie, like to the point where, you know, one of them's just like running around being like, Jerry, instead of like Abbott, you know, and I, I'm almost kind of curious to see like, what were these guys like when they were doing their own thing? Yeah. Because the thing about Abbott and Costello is, you know, they had writers, but they were taking their persona from their vaudeville show and their radio show and whatever and adapting it to film that was just like their style and you know it just feels kind of sad to make a comedian just kind of so wholeheartedly like ape another comedian's style like if you were watching a movie today and i don't know just like somebody was very clearly trying to be andy samberg for like no reason you know and it's like yeah, it's it's tough, right? Yeah. Because, you know, they're creatives. Like, that's mm-hmm, why they're in mm-hmm. the entertainment industry. But they are being paid to do something else. But they are being paid. Sure. Which, you know, is something. It, they're not just doing it because they feel like they don't have talent. They These guys were hired to be Abbott and Costello. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's just a weird watch, right? Yeah. To be like... This is the bones of an Abbott and Costello movie, but like you kind of see what a difference, you know, for one thing, the like innate talent uh, of Abbott and Costello makes the difference that like the writers that Abbott and Costello had makes because not a whole lot happens in this movie. No. And you really notice it because the jokes are like not really there. Like the jokes kind of feel like placeholder jokes, you know, of like, ah, oh, we'll punch this up later. And nobody did. The reason to watch this movie mm. is for Bella Lugosi. Sure. He is really good in this. Yeah. Um, he is playing it like it's a horror movie. Yeah. And even he gets some like fun lines mm-hmm. that he's playing straight, but are funny. Yes. Uh, so it's, it's really nice to see him being able to do that. Yeah. And he's like fairly energetic. Yeah. There's one bit that I'm sure Ben found like tiresome, but I really liked because it's something that Shaggy and Scooby do. Mm. Uh, so Bella Shaggy and Scooby do what? <laughs> so Dr. Renault knows that the monkey has stolen his serum. So he goes after him and the monkey goes into a dresser and is like popping out of the different drawers. Yeah. And Bella is like reaching after each one. And you could say that Bella is hamming it up, mm-hmm. but it works for the scene. And it was really funny to me to see that in live action. It was a funny bit. It's a good like, gag. I've only ever seen that with Sk- Shaggy and Scooby in the show animated. Uh, so I, I really liked that. Yeah. Bella but- and the monkey. 
are the best performers. <laughs> no. Ace Miller. Yeah, yeah. Sheldon Leonard is is very funny in this. Oh my god. His name is Sheldon Leonard? Yes. Those that's <laughs> the Big Bang Theory leads are oh. Sheldon and Leonard. Yeah, that's true. That is true. That's weird. I don't weird. think they did that on no, purpose. Absolutely that is not. really funny. So the weird thing about this movie to me is it feels like just not enough happens. Like they don't get as much out of the premise as they could. No, there were definitely missed opportunities. It feels like there's no third act. Yeah. It's like they wanted the third act to be when they get back to the U S but it's way too short. Yeah. For that. It's, it's more of just like the button at yeah. the end of the story. It's like they get to Dr. Renault's evil lair and you know, shenanigans and hijinks ensue with people getting turned into zombies. But then you feel like, like, like something should happen at that point and nothing really does. No, I am going to hit pause real quick because there's something I wanted to mention. Um, so yes, this movie is spinning off of, I walked with a zombie. There's elements of like white zombie. And then there's also the movie, Dr. Renault's secret. Right. And Ben was like, they can't use that name. That's a Fox movie. Dr. Renault's secret is adapting the novel. Mm where this name is coming from for this movie. But I just want to call out, if you are interested in hearing about Dr. Renault, uh, you can listen to episode 93 on Dr. Renault's secret. And this movie has no adherence to what voodoo is, what zombies are, nothing. So if you are curious and you haven't heard these episodes yet, I cover that in our White Zombie episode number 32 and I Walked with the Zombie episode number 104. I found it very frustrating, honestly, the way that like they, they, especially like this is a a meta Uh thing. I think, I don't think the movie is making this like into a thing, but Dr. Renault keeps failing to make a scientific zombie. Right. But actual zombies are made using like chemicals from like natural things. Yes. Just go talk to them. Just go talk to the natives. Just Just go talk to them. Ask them how they do it. Don't steal their zombies. Right. Like. I mean, they're not going to tell you. No. But you could ask. Or, like, look at what ingredients they're using. Okay, yeah. So this was the thing that actually was my weird pet peeve that, like, you shouldn't be getting this pet peeve over a dumb movie like this. <laughs> but, like, he gets really excited because this, like, shipment of some drug comes in. And he's like, with this drug, well, now I can make my zombies. But um, if the natives are successfully making zombies... You shouldn't need to ship in a drug from somewhere else. You should be able to do this with just, you know, common household <laughs> items. Well, things you thing. have lying around the mansion. He's like, I'm doing this scientifically, not through mysticism. Yeah. So this is why he won't go to the natives. Yeah, he's operating off, off of a false premise. Yes. Come on, Dr. Renault. You need more rigorous scientific methodology here. There's a really good joke when they're hiding, <laughs> they're hiding that they're researching zombies. Yes. And so when Mike and Jerry first arrive, Joseph is like, zombies, I don't know anything about that. But Dr. Renault is here looking up the, um, like researching the banana blight. And then once they meet Dr. Renault, he's like, yeah, I'm researching the coconut blight. And Jerry's like, coconuts, I thought you were researching bananas. That's what Joseph said. And Dr. Renault says, oh, he's colorblind. 
I also really <laughs> liked um it's from like the same scene. Yeah. But where Joseph is like, Doctor, here are those subjects you asked for. And Mike and Jerry are like, subjects? What are you talking about? And Bella Lugosi's like, oh, we're all subjects here. Subjects of the king. Because <laughs> they're in the British Virgin Islands. Yes. Like, so, you know, there's a few little good laughs here and there. But mostly this movie feels really uninspired. It feels like they could have done a lot more with what they had. Like, okay, I can't remember who's Mike and who's Jerry. I guess Mike, because he's yelling for Jerry all the time. Um, the bit and where Mike is the one who gets turned into the zombie, right? The bit where Mike is in his own grave and he falls through a trap door at the bottom of the grave down into the dungeon, runs through the dungeon, sees the real zombie, uh, freaks out, runs up some stairs and out a door into like, you know, a 20 foot drop that he runs like right down, bam, lands right back in his own grave. That like loop. That was fun. In an Abbott and Costello movie, we would have done that like twice more, you know, like he did that whole loop and then he would have like come up to Abbott and been like, hey, this happened. And Abbott would have been like, no, that's stupid and you're wrong. And then something would have happened that would have made Costello do that whole thing again. Maybe this time with like Bella Lugosi chasing him or the zombie chasing him and like the zombie would have fallen into the grave and then Abbott would have helped the zombie out of the grave and been like now what are you gone doing this stupid thing again for and then been like oh shit it's the zombie and then like Abbott would have gone through it like at least once you know what I mean like they would have had more fun with that rather than checking off boxes yeah exactly the way that like the basic bare bones of the plot where it's just like comedians go to spooky old mansion there's a mad scientist he tries to do something and they run away um it made me realize like this is only 1945 we are back in time yeah a little bit here but this is just the monster from 1925 yeah and even that was going off of a play yes if i remember yeah so it's it's funny how like today we're like hollywood has no creativity never did never has astronaut pay your writers memes. pay your writers yes Um, We here at Castle Scream Scene support the WGA strike. Yes, absolutely we do. This movie also, like with its connections to I Walked With a Zombie. So we get Darby Jones as the zombie. Damn, he's strong. Right. He just like lifts dudes up. He gets more to do here than he did in I Walked With a Zombie, but he's scarier in I Walked With a Zombie. Yeah, it's almost to like the impact of his role's detriment. Yes, did that make sense? No. The fact that he gets more to do means that him playing a zombie has less impact. It is to the detriment of his role as a zombie. Yes. Great. I think just like to his role as a zombie, it is a detriment. Like <laughs> that is just that like phrasing. This is why I write yeah. <laughs> so I can edit. Um, no, you're totally right though. Like the more that he has to do the less mystique there is around his character. And then like Sir Lancelot shows up to do a Calypso song 
when they get off the boat. And it's great. What do you know? I'm not even scared anymore. Remember, we're looking for a zombie. Oh, yeah. The Calypso singer is here to welcome you Because he knows it's the thing to do The visitors, when they look around Are happy with the beauty of this island town The coconut palm and the banana tree And the pretty girls are what they see And the visitors are happy all the while Because it's a dream of a tropical isle A joy supreme This is the island of golden Dreams. <laughs> Chamber of Commerce. Very good, bud. Very good. Yeah, it's kind of cute. Thanks a lot. <laughs> See you around. But the visitors would not so happy be If they could see what's behind the tree They could see the eyes which are watching them They would leave this island of evil men But if they wait till the full moon comes To shine on the hands on the voodoo drums The chance to leave may come too late And blood on the ground will mark their fate A woe too late Blood on the ground will mark their face. I honestly, I miss that guy. Like, I fucking love that guy. It, yeah. was, it was great. I wanted a second Calypso song when they got back on the boat. I wanted to see Sir Lancelot again. I guess I was kind of spoiled by the fact that he kind of like is all throughout. I walked with a zombie like as a Greek chorus. But in either case, with Sir Lancelot or Darby Jones, this movie ends up kind of... Um, committing the cardinal sin which is like remind you of a better movie syndrome yeah it's like i could just be watching i walked with a zombie i mean that wasn't an option for audiences in 1945 but it is for me i think it does a very good job of like using the horror tropes Mm. in a comedic movie with like the mansion the graves the coffins like i think it does a good job of being a horror comedy yeah for sure the comedy is derivative and and not as good as it could be it is wild that this is three years before abbott and costello meet frankenstein yeah that's weird yeah anyways that's all i have to say about this movie what about you yeah that's about it it's um it's a skeleton without much meat on its bones well folks if you enjoyed this you can find our previous horror adjacent episodes on our website screamscenepodcast.com ben on the last episode, you said you had an announcement. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's up? So June's horror adjacent bonus episode will be our 24th horror adjacent episode. We have done two years. Two years, baby. And so when we started up the Patreon for Scream Scene, we always kind of knew that doing horror adjacent bonus episodes was going to be a goal if we hit a certain amount of support. Um, Because, you know, there were all sorts of movies that we were fans of, that horror fans are fans of, that we knew we were like just not going to cover on the regular show because they weren't horror movies. So, you know, the idea of doing these horror adjacent episodes came about. It let us talk about movies that, you know, either absolutely are not horror, like um, The Addams Family or like have that connection to horror like Young Frankenstein or are frequently like mistaken for horror like The Man Who Laughs. Um, And it also gave us an opportunity because of the like poll format to cover movies that like we wouldn't have covered for 
years on the show otherwise like uh the mummy from 1999 yeah so it was like really a cool way to talk about some movies that we weren't otherwise going to be able to talk about but that we knew that our audience kind of wanted to hear us talk about however the original plan with the horror adjacent bonus episodes was that they would be bonus episodes like a fifth episode every month and we kept that up for like six months maybe a year i don't know but the thing is with the poll format what was getting picked a lot you know unsurprisingly was big like popular movies right we were doing beetlejuice and we were doing young frankenstein and we were doing you know just these movies that ended up meaning that the bonus episodes were involving like more research work and like more time and effort than the normal episodes of the show, which mm-hmm. started to feel a little backward to me. Like this thing that was supposed to be the extra thing we were doing for fun was kind of, I mean, all of this is supposed to be for fun. Yes. Then. Yes. But like these kind of bonus episodes were ending up being like more work and bigger episodes than episodes of the main show. And that eventually led to us not being able to sustain doing them as like a fifth episode every month. And they ended up becoming just like the last episode out of four. That kind of meant that our forward momentum, our pace in the main show was slowing down because like, you know, 12 episodes out of a year's worth were now the bonus episodes. And so like we were in 1959 for what feels like ages. So all of this is to say that like, I love doing the horror adjacent bonus episodes and we're going to keep doing horror adjacent bonus episodes, but we're going to be retiring the poll format. And we're also going to be sort of retiring the like regular once a month nature of them. And instead we're going to just be doing the horror adjacent bonus episodes kind of almost like as they come up as feels natural for covering something as we go with the main show. So covering Little Shop of Horrors in 1960, covering Rocky Horror Picture Show in 1975, I think. These kinds of movies that we know aren't horror movies, but that are sort of like relevant to the main discussion, the main storyline, the main thrust of the rest of the program and covering them just kind of like when it's appropriate chronologically for the show. So that's that's kind of the big change that's coming up. But this was our 23rd horror adjacent bonus episode. So we're still going to do a 24th for June to celebrate two years and kind of cap off this two-year run of horror adjacent bonus episodes. And so to celebrate that this is going to be like the last poll-oriented episode for horror adjacent, we've put up like a monster list of horror adjacent bonus episode ideas for the poll for june there are 15 options uh so get on to our patreon at patreon.com slash scream scene podcast sign up to be a patron of the night if you haven't already and you can vote in the final poll for june's horror adjacent bonus episode great well uh our next episode is going to be on Eyes Without a Face. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah, it should be a really good episode, so don't miss it, Creatures of the Night. 
All right. We will see you then. Bye. Bye.